everyone and welcome to the supply chain podcast thank you so much for joining us today and don't forget to come back every friday for new episodes featuring leaders in the supply chain on this week's episode i'm joined by Hermanshu Pausule, president and cto at epicor today we will be discussing disruptions and challenges that the supply chain faced even before covid and how these escalated during covid as well as the introduction of emerging technologies allowing for companies to survive and thrive. So thank you so much for joining us. Could you please explain your job role and what you oversee, please? Yeah, thank you, Emily. Hello, everyone. I'm Hamanshu Palsule, the president and CTO at Epicor. So I'm responsible for all things product, technology, strategy, vision, etc., along with managing a, a, a P&L. I've, I've been with Epicor for five years, but I've been in the ERP supply chain industry now for um, almost 30 years. So this is certainly a topic near and dear to my heart, and I'm uh, glad to uh, participate. Amazing. Thank you. And could you maybe give a brief description of Epicor's mission? Yeah. So at Epicor, we go beyond what is traditionally called enterprise resource planning or ERP, And we feel it's our job to bring innovative and highly focused industry productivity solutions that are made for and essential to businesses around the world. And we serve businesses in the fields of manufacturing, distribution, lumber, retail, and automotive aftermarket. We have about 20,000 customers worldwide, and uh, we love every single one of them. Amazing. Thank you for that. So I'm kind of I'm curious now to jump back and talk about what got you interested in the supply chain and uh, kind of your careers prior to this one. Yeah, great, great question. So I came to the United States from India in 1989, and my first job was a small company in the Bay Area of California, um, which in today's terms was actually an ERP startup. You know, we, we had to automate processes and enterprises like Sony, Sumitomo, Disney, US West, and then ultimately a small division of uh, Walmart. And that really was my advent into the world of uh, supply chain. So I think the multifaceted aspect of supply chain fascinates me. On the one hand, it's almost algorithmic in operations and connectivity across the various cycles. And in other ways, it's a free-flowing organism with several self-reliant and mutually reliant components. So I just find it fascinating and I found the uh, evolution of supply chain uh, even more fascinating. Yeah, and I love I love the way you describe it there. And I always like to uh, kind of joke about people saying, um, you know, it is a chain, it is a supply chain. It's all about these relationships and kind of um, building from that. So um, you did touch on there slightly, but are there any areas that you're just extremely passionate about and kind of keep you keep you on your toes when you're working within the supply chain? Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, everything from the current vaccine distribution to literally solving global hunger, getting food to people who are hungry, is a supply chain problem. I mean, I, I work for a charity called Akshay Patra. And it's our job getting food to hungry children uh, in India, but also around the world. I believe it's usually not a problem at the endpoints. Usually there is enough supply and there is typically enough demand. I mean, think of the global uh, vaccine distribution. There, there's millions of vaccines being made and there are certainly people waiting for the shot to get into their arm. The, the challenge is stuff in the middle, right? It's, it's the logistics, it's the fulfillment, it's the inventory management. 
And it's having those pieces work together is what is what some of the uh, biggest challenges are. So I think the areas I'm more passionate about is that thing from, like I said, traceability, predictability, seasonality, logistics. You figure those things out. There's always going to be supply and there's always going to be demand. How you make that happen is is going to be the, the, the key. And I'm um, kind of touching on vaccine distribution here, um, but maybe jumping back a few years, I'm kind of curious um, to think about the position of the supply chain and maybe the, the fragility of it before COVID and kind of what challenges we'll be facing then. Yeah, I mean, so as static and obvious as the supply chain appears, it's been constantly evolving over the years. Uh, and, you know, various factors, whether they're geopolitical in nature, whether they are competition-based innovation technology, you know. So I'll tell you, when, when in 1991, I had the opportunity to visit uh, Walmart at their headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas, and I was struck by the sheer scale of their ambition and the size of their distribution network. I've also been to an Amazon uh, data center um, and they have the, sheer, the, the same scale and ambition. When you try to translate that to a small business or a mid-market uh, distributor who, who has the same ambition at, at a different scale, the, the challenges become very evident. Um, you know, they, they have not necessarily made the, the investments that they needed to in automation. Uh, they are overly reliant on suppliers. And if one supplier goes bust, uh, they, have, uh, they, they have challenges. So I think solving for that um, you know, you add to that things like globalization, automation, mobility, and this whole nature of digital transformation. I think focusing on the small business and what, what I call the mid-market is where the challenge lies. I think the, the big guys and the very small guys eventually figure it out. Yeah, and I think you touching on kind of globalization there is really interesting because um, COVID pandemic has been a global topic and obviously has literally hit worldwide. So um, which of these challenges are still prevalent and maybe were even maximized due to COVID? Exactly. I mean, COVID took all the little problems, exaggerated them and then collapsed them into a very short period of time. And that that's what made it hard. I, you know, this had well, we certainly don't want the pandemic to stretch anymore. But if an event like this happens over four or five years, as has happened in the past, businesses can be more resilient when it happened as quickly as it did. Um, and, and some of the things that were maximized, you know, customers who didn't have any kind of e-commerce presence, they, they think that they thought they knew their customer, the customer was across the street or, or you know, on the other end of the city, they would drive in and, and either pick up their items or, or place orders. You know they they had a challenge because all of a sudden your customer could be you know around the corner around the city around the continent and not not having that e-commerce presence created a, a challenge if you don't have a clear link between your buyer and your seller you know you you have a supplier and then you have a customer and if those entities aren't clearly defined in your supply chain you know things went into a disarray with uh, the the covid pandemic Managing critical inventory, right? We, we either had cases where there was too much inventory because the, the demand just dried out completely, travel industry, you know, hospitality industry, or, you know, if you were manufacturing toilet papers or, or you know, sanitizing gel, 
the, the supply just disappeared. So if you didn't have a good handle on inventory management systems, uh, all the way from you know fulfillment to price and cost, you, you had a problem. And then if you had an over-reliance on global suppliers, um, you know, you, you got your thing, you got your goods from China, you got it from Taiwan, or you, you got it from, you know, other places around the country or the world, those supply chains collapsed and you were stuck with no supply. So I just think COVID took everything that the challenges that we knew were bubbling up and sort of threw them back on our face and created, you know, for our customers at Epicor and I'm sure uh, others as well, you know, challenges that then they had to rely on sophisticated ERP systems like the ones we built to solve those problems. Yeah, and earlier I kind of used the phrase um, fragile supply chain. And like, I guess the question is, uh, do you believe that pre-COVID the, the supply chain was fragile? And also kind of what did COVID then do that made that, made that worse? Yeah, great question, Emily. I, I, the supply chain had transformed pre-COVID and it was probably fragile for some and stronger for others. Um, it, it was transformed by, like I said, you know, geopolitical uh, reasons, tariffs, uh, Brexit. You know, there, there were there were quite a lot of disruptors that that had been in place. Um, automation and technology. I mean, the fulfillment engines of some of the large box retailers like Amazon and Walmart. You know, were at a planetary scale, uh, and that had started uh, creating an impact. And, and this whole whole notion of automation. What, what the pandemic did, you know, if you have a long multi-step supply chain that is sequential in nature, point A to point B to point C to point D, the smallest of delays in each uh, segment created an overall delay that was quite considerable. Um, and, and like I said, it, it, your competition during the pandemic just got diverse. I mean, we were proud, we, you know, at Epicor, we had a customer who used to, you know, manufacture um, Christian uh, apparel, and they pivoted their business to making masks. We we had a large customer who was in formula racing. They took their assembly line and started making ventilators. So there were people who were agile enough and had the right technology to not have a uh, the, the 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 supply chain so uh, fragile. But then there were others. You know, we had a customer who manufactured. Uh, seats for airlines or furniture for uh, restaurants and you know they, they their businesses got decimated yeah it's a really interesting point actually isn't it it's kind of um how the supply chain is is flexible and can pivot during these times and so it kind of leads me on to thinking about how we can help um restore the supply chain and bounce back to be more tenacious and as well um how can we protect from future supply disruptions yeah that absolutely. I mean, that is the question of the day is what lessons have we learned and how are we going to be better? You know, they say in evolution, it's not the fastest, biggest or strongest that survive, but it's those that can adapt. Right. So adaptability is a key tenant of being resilient, but it's it's easier said than done. You know, so so some things to consider. And I say this to people all the time. I was visiting a customer now it's over a year and, you know, Identify what your core competencies are and then understand what adjacencies your business has now ventured into. You know, if you started as a, a cookie company and now you have a whole line of confectionery and now you moved into perishable goods and groceries, 
understand where your value add in the supply chain is. And as I always say, you know, maniacally defend your core and then carefully expand into your adjacency. And a lot of businesses who got into adjacencies too fast, you know, got, got affected because they weren't as resilient in that as they were in, in their core. Seriously consider automating the mundane tasks out of your business now, you know, and it, it's different for different companies. It could be um, invoice entry, and maybe you need a good scanning tool to do that. It, it could be just counting widgets in the warehouse and you need a sophisticated, you know, uh, uh, warehouse management system. It, it could be a variety of these things that you've always done the way you've done it. Uh, now is the time to ask the question, with technology becoming so affordable, do you have to rely on that? You know, we'll talk about IoT later maybe, but this whole internet of things, it's, it's quite uh, affordable to have a small uh, IoT device that's maybe measuring sound on a machine or it's measuring movement and have that automated so that you don't have a person who has to keep walking around, you know, observing these things physically. That, that whole nature of remoteness, you know, touchless. I think now is the time for everyone to start uh, considering it. And as I always say, you know, be aware of an overly reliant global supply chain. You know, global supply chains have been impacted. Hyper-localization in the United States is starting to become quite common. And, and these things are signs that you need to observe. And then disrupt yourselves regularly before being disrupted by others. You know, don't get comfortable. Challenge your pricing. Challenge your vendors. Understand your customers' evolving needs. And just pay attention to these things. And if you're wasting a lot of time on the mundane things on a day-to-day -day basis, ask yourself the question, is there a better way to do it? And there probably is. Yeah, and I think what you've touched on there is really fascinating um, and kind of um, I'm curious to touch on other companies here um, and what factors were this down to to kind of prevent future disruptions? Um, are we talking kind of, uh, you know, the big the big global leaders like Amazon, are they, are they going to have it easier? Um, is it the technology that is supporting them? You know, do you have any examples of how, how different companies are uh, kind of facing these disruptions? Absolutely. I mean, by geography, by company, by size, um, the, the, this is a factor to consider. The, in any world of business, there will always be your Amazon or you know your your local large box uh, retailer or supplier that you know on the one hand will compete fiercely with you, but on the other hand, teach you valuable lessons on how you need to adjust your adjust your business. So the the factors. I mean, let's face it, with the pandemic, some of it was just pure luck, right? Good luck or bad luck based on the nature of your business. If you're an essential business, you did extremely well. Um, if you're a services business, you know, salons and, you know, you just had no choice. You you had to close up. But even then, there were those that switched their models to home delivery or home service. You know, I have had people from salons, you know, stop by a house and uh, cut your hair. So again, that, that whole adaptability and agility is important. You know, interestingly, multi-generation plays an aspect in your adaptability. They're, and I've seen this with, and I've talked to customers about it, companies that have a more diverse uh, pool of uh, a workforce seem to be more resilient in the way they go about managing things versus, you know, companies that have had Let's just say a single generational focus um, have have struggled a little bit. 
Um, I don't think size was as important as agility and ability. Um, you know, example, the restaurant business. It, those that we saw adapt were the ones that quickly made a deal with their landlord to convert their parking lot into outdoor seating. Um, and there was a risk, right? I'm sure there were there was capital to be uh, put out to procure that space. But the ones that moved early, assuming this was going to last for a while, are are booming in their you know uh, business or switch to curbside delivery or online, etc. Um, we we have a global business and we get reports from almost every region around the world on you know the timing of the openings and closings, the the different mandates, the different legislations. And every country has to find their own way to adapt. There is no one. And the, this pandemic made it very clear. While we say globalization, and you know we, we've certainly made a lot of inroads, there is no country called global, right? Every country is very, very local with very, very local um, legislation, compliance, culture, styles. You know, you may be more socialistic, you may be more capitalistic. So that all this came into force with, with the pandemic. And I'm curious to ask kind of about technology as well then. So was it um, was it companies that adapted and uh, utilized technology? Were they the more uh, resilient ones? And were they, uh, was it easier for them to bounce back because, because of what they adopted in terms of automation or AI or kind of IoT? Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, as a chief technology officer, I think the answer is yes. Uh, but, you know, our, our audience will judge for themselves. And it, it started with something as basic as cloud, right? The fact that you have the ability to take your software and put it up in this in this cloud, you know, have, have remote servers taking care of it, allowed you to have your workforce get up and go home, I think in the February, March 2020 timeframe. So companies that were, if they were not looking at the cloud, started looking at the cloud in various aspects of the cloud. That And that whole aspect of cloud and mobility um, I, I think played a big role. So I, I think when you start with table stakes, you know, what is your cloud strategy is a question every every CIO and IT director in a company or even in small businesses, the owner operator has to answer. Automation is the next, obviously at a more sophisticated level, uh, automation was the next thing that companies that invested in it did better. You know, it could be uh, something as simple as, well, not simple, but uh, something less complex as robotic process automation or even having actual robots uh, that had replaced uh, a lot of the labor that got up and went home, uh, had to go home, unfortunately, when, when the pandemic hit, uh, were, were more resilient to this. And this, this uh, you know, intelligent data capture, you know, people put in, receipts will come in, invoices will come in, they'll automatically get scanned, they'll get uploaded into a sales order, and then wherever you are, you know, you have the ability to, through the cloud, access your sales order and and uh, and fulfill uh, what was requested. The Internet of Things is an interesting thing. I, I think on the one hand, it's been overly hyped and can get confusing. On the other hand, it is so basic in nature, right? We, like I said, for $30 or, uh, you know, uh, 25 pounds, I'm sure you can buy a Raspberry Pi listening device, put it next to a machine and be alerted if the sound of the machine goes beyond a certain level of calibration. You, you can have cameras. I mean, we have a customer in the Netherlands. They, they actually asked us to have uh, drones fly through their warehouse uh, doing an inventory count uh, at, at night. So automation and technology, I feel, a, you know, they, they've been sort of democratized where they're accessible for all size companies. 
um, they, the, the prices have significantly come down. And as long as you can identify your key problem that needs to be solved, um, you know, have technology solve it for you. So long, long answer to your question, but the answer I think is yes. And, and it's not too late because, you know, things like this will continue. And we are certainly not done with this uh, pandemic event. Now is the time for all of you to start thinking about those aspects of technology for your work. Yeah, and kind of wanting to touch on uh, your company here and kind of uh, how, how this affected Epicor and how technology was utilized to kind of uh, fight back the, the COVID pandemic, for example, um, with, with remote working and kind of cloud resources. Um, can you kind of speak on this in relation to your company? Yeah, uh, you know, fortunately, we, we've had a good year, um, uh, both financially and from a workforce perspective, despite all these things. Some of it is because we have a very resilient recurring revenue model. Uh, and that's the other thing people need to look at. And, and some of it is because we have this obsession of industry-based solutions, right? We don't build like a generic ERP. We build it for, you know, uh, HVAC distributors or, you know, and the whole list, you know, metals manufacturers, aerospace and defense. What that allowed us to do is make some in some cases, significant changes to our products overnight. You know, we, we had distribution customers who said they want rationing of inventory as a feature because they don't want one customer to come in and buy up all their stuff overnight and then not have anything the next, you know, two months. So we added that. Things like curbside delivery uh, as a feature, things like, you know, touchless payments, touchless acceptance of uh, uh, delivery. You know, if a truck pulls up and delivers something outside your house, you, you want to be able to sign off with, without contact. We changed our cloud cadence. We introduced more small mobile solutions. Um, and, you know, as, as hard it was, I mean, you know, the COVID has taught us a lot of humility. It, it was also invigorating seeing customers succeed because of the changes that you made to the, your product. So I think the combination of, you know, our focus on the cloud our ability to deliver industry uh, functionality and the sort of obsession for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers, uh, you know, had had us uh, have a great year uh, financially. And I think we'll continue that. Now, obviously, we've learned a lot of lessons, like every vendor hopefully has. We've made a lot of changes, but uh, it was a good lesson for, for all of us. Yeah, and um, I'm interested as well, you being in quite a leadership role yourself, um, how did the pandemic kind of change uh, your workforce and your your leadership team. Was there any anything you learned about yourself and kind of the way you actually manage? Yes, that great question. So we have offices around the world. Some of our larger offices are in uh, obviously in in the United States. We we have a large office in Bangalore, India, Monterey, Mexico. We have three offices in the UK. We we, we have offices in Dubai. So uh, Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia. Um, and then on, I think it was literally Friday, the 13th of February, our workforce of 4,000 people got up and went home, right? And culturally, working from home means different things in different places, right? You have restriction on size of uh, your house, the, the, the number of people. So the, the first thing we had to do was to truly adjust to what it means, because we figured this is going to be there for months together. No, nobody thought it would take this long, but... And, you know, there has to be a greater acceptance on, I mean, we are on a video call and it's perfectly fine when we were talking to our employees because there were time zone issues. 
if you know there were other people in the background there, there was a cat or a dog walking by um it was okay for as long as we understood that there was value being delivered obviously remote technology played a big role right having laptops instead of desktops having you know we had to make sure everyone has a camera and everyone has a headset and and that's a small investment in in comparison to the gains um communication i mean the number one challenge with leadership sometimes is just communication and collaboration right if you sort of hide behind the walls of your office and manage a workforce pandemic just made it really really worse because you know you had to constantly collaborate people like me who would travel literally almost every other week and that's where you know we got our collaboration and energy from had to recreate that virtually and as a species you know as humanity i'm always optimistic on humanity we seem to adapt to the biggest of challenges if we look back and you draw a timeline from where we started and where we are i'm sure everyone listening to uh, this show will agree that we have been so adaptable and so resilient you know just popping on a zoom call or a teams call um etc has become so normal so significant changes in technology in culture in attitudes and in communication had to happen over the course of this what now almost a year um and probably will continue for a, for a little while mhm yeah and um i'm kind of wondering as well is there anything from uh, like a personal perspective that you wish you kind of knew going into this obviously it's easy to say now looking at looking in hindsight uh, but what, is there anything you wish you did different uh from from a leadership perspective and also just a personal perspective yeah i mean all of us guess the timing wrong on this understandably it's not anyone's fault you know it's the first time in 100 years we we've, we've dealt with um something like that um fortunately for us you, you got to draw a line and not expect every month to be different to to be better and communicate that to your workforce that and we did a little bit of that where you know next month you're coming back to the office or you know in in 3 weeks the reports say countries are going to open up the mandates are going to and we are going to be back and then we realized i think it was in early april may that let's just stop making any commitments and adjust to the fact that this is the new normal so you know had we known had someone put a crystal ball and said it's going to be 12 months uh before anyone travels again we we probably would have uh, prioritized uh things a little differently um especially you know with 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 customers and expectations um and all of that so so that 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 was lesson number 1 the the other lesson is actually a positive one is who knew the power of video conferencing in managing people remotely and this is hiring people firing people coaching people you know teaching people onboarding people all these complex aspects that needed you to sit you know as a head of strategy we do a lot of brainstorming which typically meant everybody fly to a location lot of flip charts lot of stickies a lot of uh, uh, you know pens to be used and we brainstorm who thought all that can be done which now begs the question what does the next 5 years mean you know do we all need to be you know traveling like crazy people that uh, we, we were all of us every single i mean so i think those lessons are positive ones and there's a lot to learn from that and you know i i just yesterday did a recording for our global partner conference i was in prague last year doing that in person and it went just as well so those adjustments were were the positive lessons that i think came out of this yeah absolutely and it leads me on to my next question really which is um what can we expect to see from the future of the supply chain 
Um, you can you can touch on kind of the technology here and how we can utilize that and kind of the impact of COVID and how how that's maybe shifted your opinion than what it was uh, pre-COVID. I, I honestly believe and I sincerely believe we are in a decade of innovation um, and it's going to last. It probably started a couple of years ago, three years ago. It's going to last at least another five to seven years. You know, stock tip, invest in biomed, fintech, supply chain automation, cloud, device management, because, you know, either through natural selection or through force, these are going to be table stakes in, in the way, uh, you know, and, and millions are being invested today uh, in this area as well. So, uh, you know, so again, to your question on, um, I think your question was future technologies, I would say, you know, the, these certainly factor in. Price pressures will keep making technology more affordable. You, you have to believe that. So if something three years ago you had looked at, you kicked the tires and you said, this is too expensive for me, it has changed. And if it has not, it will change. Um, you, you don't have to get the best of everything, right? I mean, like I said, you, you can get um, IoT devices from 25 pounds to tens of thousands of uh, pounds. Look into automating your back office. You know, buy a you know, invest in a solid ERP system. And if you're not ready to invest in an ERP system, at least invest in components of an ERP system. It could be warehouse management, it could be vendor management, it could be expense management, it could be get a CRM where you can, you know, you, you have a better uh, idea about your uh, pipeline. You know, accept the fact that whether it's hyper-localized or slightly localized, insourcing of manufacturing is becoming real. Um, and, and that is going to mean a lot of things. I mean, you know, you could be a distributor who can now start thinking about kitting and uh, some man light manufacturing. Um, you know, you, your supply chains might change and look very different. Um, price pressures will continue in a supply chain, um, giving you more opportunities. I think it's time to be bold, fail early, test often, and when you find the right recipe, stick to it and sort of rinse and repeat till you've exhausted all possibilities. So I, in summary of what I'm saying is, and of course there are constraints, there are cost constraints, there are timing constraints, these things aren't necessarily easy, but if you aren't thinking about automating parts of your business, a greater reliance on, you know, I mean, obviously I'm biased, so everything will look like an ERP to me, but it could be components of an ERP for your business. You know, what's your payment solution? Do you accept, you know, diverse payments? Um, or how do you manage payroll? So all those areas should be front and center conversation, I think, for anyone involved in a supply chain anywhere in the world. Yeah, and something you touched on was kind of the uh, like decade of innovation we're in right now. And I'm curious to ask is, uh, do you think that COVID was a catalyst for innovation? Um, of course, kind of the the pivoting that has to be done within the supply chain due to COVID. Do you believe that um, this kind of sped up uh, innovate, innovative technology uh, solutions? Yes, of course it did. I mean, it took 10 years to get a vaccine out. We had to get it out in a year. We had to distribute it to you know, we, we will have to, to 7 billion people around the world. We have to solve logistical problems at a time scale that was, you know, could not even be conceived in the past. And 
we can sit back and be critical on, you know, the politics of it. You know, is it being managed well? Is it being not managed well? It doesn't matter. The innovation that has been driven in biotech, that has been driven in logistics, that, that has been driven in uh, fulfillment as a result of COVID. I mean, you know, humanity always seems to shine when, you know, we have a problem to solve. Uh, the pace of what has happened is going to last for years, decades after the pandemic is done. And that new normal, you know, why will we ever tolerate a vaccine now that takes 10 years? Why, why will we all ever wait for uh, distribution to take weeks and months when we've shown we can do it in days and hours? And like I said, th this started a few years ago. Uh, companies like Amazon put a lot of pressure on delivery timings uh, around the world and the likes of Amazon, it's not just them. And you add it all up and the new normal that has already started and will last for decades for a supply chain is going to be very different than what it was um, pre-pandemic, I believe. Mm. And you kind of touched on there and a little bit earlier, the like humanity and the, the people side of the supply chain. I was kind of wondering if you have any kind of expansion on that and kind of um, how important you believe, uh, you know, relationships are within the supply chain. Absolutely. Right. At the end of the day, especially in the last 12 years, relationships either saved or broke businesses. Right. If, if you had a difficult, cantankerous, overly reliant supplier or customer relationship, uh, this was not the time um, or to bring that up. You know, the, this was a time where um, supply chains worked on, you know, future commitments. They, they There was a lot of I need this now and I'll figure out how to pay you later. I mean, we saw that with our customers. And, and I always believe you help a customer at the time of need and they will remember you forever, right? So that that, that some, whatever dispensation you had to make uh, during a time like this, the, the companies who, no, obviously, you know, we are all in the business uh, of, of commerce. We are in the business of, you know, growth and revenue and all of that. But those little dispensations that you make, and it could be as simple as, you know, every two weeks we put a cloud release out. Customers told us, I have no time to deal with that. Can you delay that by a few months? And we said, of course we can. Um, or, you know, um, and obviously price, people think dispensation is always price. It always means, you know, give me a 10% discount or allow me to not pay you for three, four months. Of course, that's part of that. But it goes beyond that. It's, you know, being there for them. It's, you know, 24 by 7 support taking a call in the middle of the night because they had to work in the middle of the night. All those things were essential. I see a lot of people doing that. If you kind of didn't do that, and if you were, you know, that company that, that said my way or the highway, this was not the time to be thinking that way. And, you know, they, they, they probably struggled. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a, a really good point to, to finish on there. And I just wanted to ask if there is anything else you kind of want to touch on or any message you would really like to give to the audience listening today. No, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of what the people in the supply chain have achieved, right? As they say, what doesn't break you makes you stronger. Everyone needs to look at their business. You know, it could be a very small, small business, you know, like I said, baking cookies to an enterprise. You should be in a better place when this is done. Um, take the lessons in, you know, bring in the humility that, and I have to remind myself, as difficult as things have been, we haven't faced anything like this in the last hundred years. So of course it's difficult. This is completely unchartered. So, you know, take a lot of pride in what you and how you went through it. 
learn your lessons, document them, and, you know, because this probably will happen again. Um, and we should assume it's going to happen again and then plan for it. And again, you know, technology is always there to serve you when you need it, if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think uh, I'd, I'm happy to kind of end here. We've, we've covered some really awesome topics. Um, so I would just like to thank you so much, Himanshu, for kind of coming on today and sharing your insights as a leader in the supply chain. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Of course. Of course. No worries. Yes, you too.